Devotional, your weekly Devo podcast. My name is Jeff Goki, and I am so happy that you have tuned in today. Welcome to episode 258, and welcome back to my front porch here in Phoenix, Arizona. I, I got to tell you, there's nowhere better to be in, uh, in, uh, in the wintertime than the West Coast. Um, and I know, I know all y'all who live in the Midwest, uh, I grew up there, you, you East Coast people, you know, this is the annoying thing about those of us who live in the West. I get it. And you know what? I, it is what it is. I, it is so awesome to be living out here right now. In fact, if anyone would like to come and visit, come hang out. You know, I want to spread the wealth because it's so awesome. Mornings are great. Nights are great. It's just, but you know, we're going to pay the price here in a couple months. So Patty keeps saying we have to get outside because it's going to be so hot here in a few months. And so we are soaking it in here in the West coast, uh, especially here in Arizona, because the heat is coming. It is coming, but right now really, really enjoying it. Uh, one of the things Patty and I've been doing is you know, I go on my walks in the morning, but then she's been joining me at the at the nighttime. It's been awesome. We just had the best conversations. And I was thinking the other day about how silly walking is. You know, like I you walk all day, you know, in in the most you know, for the most part. And uh but I was uh as Patty and I were walking tonight, I was realizing how simple it is. Um, how I've noticed the more I've done it with her, how I've slowed down, that the conversation is just so good, you know, and we're digging through things and listening to each other. And, and I thought, wow, how important it is to just slow down and experience life. And And maybe that's what it is about walking that is obnoxious for me, but actually pretty therapeutic. It's slowing me down. Now I would prefer to run because I think that's what I would feel would be more efficient and I feel like I'd get a better workout or whatever, right? I could justify it a little bit better. But walking has been this discipline of just presence, just walking and being present. And then when I have somebody with me, just being able to talk to them and listen to them. And so, you know, over the last month, Patty and I have just had some amazing walks, some amazing conversations. It's been great. So, Here's my promotion for walking. Go get out and go walk. It's really, really wonderful. Take in all the the air, take in the, the noises, take in the neighborhood. You know, I dig that part of it. Just waving at the neighbors, saying, hey, you know, it's awesome. And And we're really starting to, you know, this idea of incarnation is that you become a part of it. And uh, I really am loving the way we live. I love being a part of this community. I just feel honored uh, to be here. And uh, I also love it's the place that I do this podcast, you know, in the neighborhood, outside. I just dig it so much. So anyway, an encouragement, a challenge, get in your neighborhood, go for a walk, do something that allows you to slow down, listen, and connect with, with God and with one another. I uh, want to say thank you so much for those of you who continue to listen. Truly, 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 it's special. And thank you for those. Um, thank you, thank you, thank you for those of you who continue to give. Really appreciate it. All right. Uh, the passage today, I, I was actually going to preach this passage this weekend uh, and then made an adjustment. Um, so I'll be teaching a different passage. Um, I'm going to be teaching Psalms 2714 this weekend at our church. 
And, uh, but as I was preparing, I was going to do Psalms 3, uh, but decided to do uh, Psalms 27 instead. But this ending verse uh, for me was so important, especially in the context of the passage. But Psalms 3, 8 says this, salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be on your people. Um, when I was, in, when I was a youth pastor, one of the most epic moments I remember as a youth pastor was, uh, we went on this camping trip, you know, and, you know, we'd take all these kids and it would be a blast and, you know, but inevitably kids would get bored, you know, you camp out on the side of the road. I think it was like a canoe trip or something like that. Like we were canoeing this river and then we would camp and then it was like a whole thing. And it was an awesome time. We had a great time. And, but this moment will always stand out in my memory is that the kids, uh, and I were kind of going along and we, and we realized that there was a fish that was on the shore in, in like a puddle. And what had happened is maybe the tide or whatever form of river tide happens or whatever had kind of flown out and this fish had gotten trapped in this hole. Now it wasn't a small hole. It was pretty big. And so all the kids and I were trying to figure out how to catch this fish. And so somebody jump in and flip around and somebody would try to get it over here and flip around. So I said, hey, I got an idea. Let's just get sand and fill in the hole. And uh, eventually this fish will end up on the shore. So the kids, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. So they all start collaborating. And, and so eventually we catch this fish. And I have this picture. I blew it up really big. It's like one of my favorite pictures of all time. Kind of, It kind of in a picture gave to me what I, I wanted youth ministry would be. And it was just like lifting this fish in the air and everyone's cheering like we did it, we did it, we did it. And for some reason, as I was thinking through this particular passage, I had that in my mind. I had that, but I had in the image of my mind, instead of that fish, it's just me. The Lord is like holding on to me. That the Lord has rescued me and that salvation belongs to him. He's the one that does it. He's the one that's all about it. And as we get into this passage, again, like so many of the other passages, it's so important to understand the, the context. And I, I hope you know how important I think the context of the passage is. Um, I talk about this often, but we can't just yank passages out of Scripture. And I say people love to put those on mugs or put them on the back of their cars. Like, it just doesn't work, Right. Um, you need to understand where it came from. How did this happen? What's going on? And in this passage, it's really painful. Like Psalms 3 is a very painful psalm. And it's a painful psalm because uh, David's writing it, and he's writing it as his son Absalom has created an insurrection. Created an insurrection to kick him out of the kingdom, to take it over you know can you imagine like not only is his son rebelling against him but he's also got all of his friends to turn on him right the the kingdom is turning in on itself and his son is literally trying to murder him he's trying to murder him like uh, unbelievable i can't imagine the pain the confusion the hurt and so what does david do and here's the thing with david like Finding our cues from David in the midst of his sin, in the midst of his glory, in the midst of hurt and pain, like it's really interesting to take our cues from David. David tends to just be honest. He's just honest in how he's working through it all. I would say like in the language of what we're all learning in this culture is he's authentic. 
but truly authentic. Not authentic to try to get something in return, but he is authentic in his suffering, in his pain, in his sin. And here we find, once again, in the psalm, the authentic David. And what does the authentic David do in the midst of his despair and hurt and pain? He turns to the Lord. He turns to the Lord. And as I read this passage, um, I just sometimes was so helpful, and I would encourage you to do this. This was a man. This wasn't just some obscure historical figure that's in the Bible. It's not like it's a story. This is a man. And this is a man who's hurting. And this is a man who's gone through so much. And not just that, not just in this moment, but in so many moments of his life. He's been here before. He knows what this feels like. If you remember, like Saul was trying to kill him. No, and he loves Saul. And Jonathan, his son, was like closer than a brother. And what did he do in the midst of Saul trying to kill him and all the pain and agony and hurt and running away from him over years and years and years? What did he do? He learned to depend on the Lord. He learned. And it's a hard lesson. It's hard to do. But he learned over a long period of time who his salvation is. I have in my mind that moment where he meets Saul in a cave and has an opportunity to kill him and he recognizes it's not my job. It's God's job. And here he is with Absalom. Same thing. Same thing. Different different person, different situation in some ways, but same problem. And what does David do He learns to look to the Lord for his salvation. But if we reflect, you and me, we lack in this area, right? We often think that we're the ones who bring the salvation, right? You just got to work harder. Like we we, we tend to think um, uh, about how we can do it on our own, right? We can figure it out. And, and ironically, this is the message that our culture is spitting at us. This is the culture they're spinning to us. They're telling us this is the way to do it. You can do it. Hey, you can do it. You can make it all happen. All the power that you need is in you. And this is the deep lie of the evil one. And a lot of these lies are very old, old, old lies. But at least for us in the West here, and for most of the of our enlightened society, it comes from that period of time, the Enlightenment, which essentially told us, and, and you hear me often refer to the Enlightenment here, because it's so important that we learn where these ideas came from, where these thoughts came from, is that you can create the world you want. But it's not true. It's not true. And the reality is if you really get quiet, and that's why I'm always like, slow down, listen. If you really get quiet, your soul is telling you it's not real. That's not it. That's not going to work. And what we need to do is to take our cues from David, who has experienced the deepest, just the utterly and overwhelming deepest levels, layers and levels of despair. Like, imagine running from Saul all those years and then being the most successful king. Like, you've built a kingdom, and now 
<laughs> now you're running for your life from your son. So much pain. And what does he do? He exclaims, salvation belongs to the Lord. Why? So I will not be distracted. And, and I won't be discouraged. I will depend upon him for the victory. Not to say that he wasn't human, not to say that he didn't get worried or overwhelmed or what. No, but as he focuses him on self, himself on who the victory is coming from, who is in charge of it all, where his saving actually comes from, where it stems from, he's able to rest and say, It's you. It's you. It's you. And I'm wondering if you need to hear that today. You know, that the. The victory is not dependent upon you, but you get to participate in it. You know, this is the blessing part of the passage that I love. Bless us, right, as we deepen and trust in you. Blessing is a byproduct of depending on the Lord, the Lord who sees you, knows you, is present in your pain and your hurt and your discouragement. And your. And when we can truly understand that, Right? We will experience that blessing. When we understand where salvation stems from, comes from, we will truly be able to experience what it is to feel that blessing, that overwhelming reality that God is in control, that we are not. And what I love in this passage is it fast forwards me to Jesus. Salvation belongs to Jesus. We could not save ourselves. We were separated from God. And God, in his unbelievable love and grace, sent his son Jesus to be salvation to us, to rescue us. And he gets the glory for that. We are the byproducts of that commitment, of that movement. So why would we just segment that to the cross? Why won't we just live in light, in light of it? Because if, if saving is what you seek, look to the Lord. Rescue comes to those who trust in the Lord. So the question is this, are you trying to find salvation in something other than Jesus? I think so many people are. And I would just encourage you to turn your heart to the Lord and recognize he is the one who brings the salvation. Lord, we recognize that. We proclaim that tonight. I pray that you would lead us and guide us through your spirit to understand fully what it is to live in light of that truth. Thank you for your son, your servant David, who reminds us of what it is and where we should focus and how we should focus uh, help us to learn and grow into that truth. So, take a breath, reflect, and believe that the God of the universe is near to you in your own heartbeat. Till next time.